Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey everybody, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's Cyberchurch broadcast. You know something? Everything that we do in this area of ministry, everything, everything we do in every area of our ministry is designed to connect you personally to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's an amazing thing when you understand that Jesus came and made it possible to us for us to have an intimate, personal relationship with God through Him, which all of that is a mystery, and, and it's a mystery of the heart. It can only be discovered to the degree that you are personally making the journey with yourself, to the degree that we are personally developing intimacy with God. And, uh, you know, I can tell you, it, it, it takes a long time, really, to have a realistic a grasp on what it means to know God through the Lord Jesus Christ because there are so many incredible dimensions to that. And here's the great thing. Uh, you know, God is so good. God is so rich in his mercy and his kindness for us that the real truth is we will never, ever, ever stop discovering the depths of God's goodness, of God's wisdom, of God's kindness, of God's mercy. But but in this journey that we have, is is very important that we actually uh, uh, establish our hearts in faith in the blood of Jesus. Now, let me just say this. Faith is something that has to be very deliberate. Faith is not, is not just a general concept. It's not just, I have faith in God. Well, what, is, what does that mean? I mean... What does that really look like in real life? What is, how do you put that, particularly when you've got it so generalized, how do you even put that into practice in real life? Well, you know, and that's what I want to get you to. I want to help you come to the place where this stuff is all real life. Now, I want you to understand something. In this covenant that God has established, and I, don't have, I won't be able to go into all the details of this because this could be an entirely complete series. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about people who approach God ritualistically, who approach God through natural uh, ceremonies and substances and all of these kinds of things. And it's not to say that there's not a place for ceremony, that's all I'm saying. But uh, it basically says, and it's talking very specifically about, about people who approach God based on any kind of sacrifice other than the blood of Jesus. And it says that we... Um, we come to an altar. We, we, we come to God. We participate in a sacrifice. We eat and drink the blood of Jesus. We share in a sacrifice that those people cannot, they have no right to participate in. Now, now stop and think about that. If we, just, if we just narrow that down to just the sacrifices that the, that the children of Israel made under the Old Covenant, I mean, that'd be, that would be 
pretty eye-opening. But the real truth is this applies in a more general sense to anyone who uses any basis other than what was accomplished by the Lord Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, if we use any basis other than that, then we're adding to the covenant. And basically what we're saying is that Jesus was not enough. Now, what, so, so what's the cure for that? How do we keep ourselves from getting to a place where we're dependent on religion and ceremony and, and where we're just kind of going through motions that make us you know, feel good about, about what we're doing and kind of make us feel like there's something going on between us and God? Well, that happens when we have an active, conscious, deliberate faith. Now, that is so important. Faith is never just neutral in, in, in its essence. Faith is always deliberate. Faith is, is, is always active. Faith is always on some level conscious. Now, there is a subconscious element to faith, and I, and I won't go into all of this, but I want you to understand the first phase of faith, the first, the first reality of faith is just believing who God is. And if we're going to believe who God is, that is going to be based on what Jesus showed us about him through his life, through his ministry, through his teaching, and then ultimately, the ultimate expression of who God is and God's incredible love for mankind is all only grasped um, at the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, the sad thing about that is there are a lot of believers that know a lot about the life of Jesus, the, what I call the historical Jesus. And thank God we need to know about the historical Jesus because the historical Jesus is the model. It is the standard for who we can be uh, in Christ, who we can be based on what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. But our faith, and I talk about this in my series, Three Days That Changed the World. You know, our, our faith is not really rooted in and empowered by what Jesus did in his life. Our faith is, is based on what Jesus did on the cross, in the grave, through the resurrection, and then ultimately in the inheritance that he received. And then we participate in all of that by faith. And if we do not have knowledge of something, then we don't have faith for it. It doesn't matter. You know, people talk all the time about, well, you know, I believe on the Lord Jesus. Well, what does that mean? What, what does lordship mean? Um, uh, people, believe, I believe, you know, I believe on the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? What did Jesus uh, have to overcome to be raised from the dead? What does that mean to, to uh, uh, you and me? What does it mean that, that I have faith in him, his death, burial, and resurrection. You see, you, you don't really, faith is trust. That's really all this. So, so faith is always starts with knowledge. And knowledge, uh, knowledge, if you just leave it as knowledge, is, is worthless. It just boosts the ego. It gives you something to argue with people about. It gives you doctrines to debate and this sort of thing. But you know, uh, faith always starts with, with renewing our mind. And aligning, you know, our opinions, our thoughts, our doctrinal positions, all those things with what the Bible teaches. And then, based on a process that is as old as 
God himself, based on a process that started with the creation of man, uh, the Bible calls it, we call it meditation. Uh, the Bible calls it meditation, and Jesus talked about it in the parable of the sower and the seed. And he says, the measure you meet when you hear the concepts of the kingdom of God. In other words, what you give to that, the degree of thought, study, consideration, processing, meditation, reflection, that, that is the degree of life that you will get back from it. Now, when Jesus was teaching, by the way, you know, he made this incredible statement one day. He said, you know, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, uh, you know, then, then you'll, you'll experience this life. And he said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink this blood, you really don't have any part in me. Now, I've heard, I've heard a lot of really interesting debates about that and what that really means. But all of, all of Jesus' teaching was based on the types and the shadows of the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, a priest or the priest would take the sacrifices that were brought and a portion of a sacrifice would be given to God and would be presented to God, but a, a, a portion of that sacrifice would be given to the priest and the priest would eat that, eat that sacrifice. Now, uh, they, they didn't drink the blood, by the way, uh, but th they would eat that sacrifice. Now, in the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Shin ha has two basic meanings. It has the meaning of fire, which has to do with passion, but it is also a picture of teeth. And the whole concept of, of passion and fire and teeth is that a passion is something that burns in you, but, it, but, but the teeth represent that it, it drives you to this, to this consuming of something, to this devouring of something, something that can devour you or something that, that you devour. And so the priests, the idea was that they would receive uh, these, their portion of these sacrifices and the whole concept of chewing on something and with the mindset that this had been sacrificed to God is really a type of meditation because meditation is where you chew on something, you, you ponder on something, you reflect on something, you extract every bit of nutrition in life that there is out of it. And, uh, and so, you know, this, this, goes, this goes back to everything that God taught us. So this is where we move information uh, from being knowledge to being beliefs. And so, so until we make that move, it's really just going to feed our ego, but it's not going to really uh, become faith because faith is a product of the heart. It is not a product of the mind. Now, <clears throat> the... I can only have faith in God to the degree that I know who He is. And likewise, after I know who God is based on who Jesus revealed Him to be, then the next thing is I have to decide if I have faith in the covenant. Well, if I don't know what the covenant is, if I don't know the stipulations of the covenant, if I don't know, you know, uh, uh, the promises and, and, the, and the requirements of the covenant, then I can't really say that I have faith in the covenant. So once I, once I move into this concept of, of faith in the covenant, then when I am facing life and I am facing real life situations and I'm facing real life challenges, I have the knowledge of what God has provided for me in this covenant with Jesus. And 
based on that knowledge and based on the fact that I know what the covenant is, I trust the covenant, and I trust the covenant because I know who God is. So, so it's, it's like knowing who God is, understanding the covenant, and then the individual application or the individual promises of the covenant, then I am able to trust those promises without wavering. Well, I want you to know that all of this revolves around the concept of the blood of Jesus. I don't know how far I'm going to be able to get in this today because I'm telling you, this is such an all-consuming concept. And by the way, let me just say this. World Changer Weekend this year, is uh, the topic has come by the blood. And we're going to be talking about the blood of Jesus. And we're going to be talking about faith in the blood of Jesus. We're going to be talking about things about the blood of Jesus that the Bible teaches and reveals plainly in the Scripture that most of us, number one, even if we've ever read about it, we've never understood how to actually apply that in real life and in real time. So this is going to be an incredible weekend. So in the, in the book of Romans, the third chapter, Paul is, and by the way, the book of Romans is one of the most misunderstood and complicated books in the, in the New Testament. Uh, the book of Romans and probably the book of Hebrews, these are the two most complicated, most challenging. And one of the reasons it's challenging is because we don't know anything about the Old Testament. And all scripture, all New Testament scripture is based on the Old Testament types and shadows that were fulfilled in Jesus. So Paul says in Romans 3.21, he says, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. In other words, this righteousness that God is revealing, apart from the law, it was actually previously mentioned or taught even in the law. In other words, the law spoke of a righteousness that was totally separate from or different from obeying the law. Now, most people don't know that. It's amazing how many people say that the law is bad, that the law is not a good thing, and, and really condemn the law, which is kind of, kind of strange to me, considering uh, that, that the law came right out of the mouth of God, and that when we get born again, the law is written in the deepest part of our heart and our mind. So if it's so bad, why would God write it? Well, it's not bad. Now, but keep in mind, Paul also said that the law is, is lawful, is, is only good if it's used lawfully. And many people use it unlawfully. They try to make it their righteousness. They try to make it the way they earn things from God. And I've said this before. I've said this before in this series. Remember, we're talking about the mysteries of the new covenant. And, and one of the greatest mysteries of the new covenant is the blood of Jesus, but also how we relate to the law. Remember, the law, one of the Hebrew concept of law is signpost. The law is like an external signpost that is showing us that if this is real in our heart, and if this is motivated by the love of God, this will be what it results in, in application. <clears throat> and that's, that's why Paul said in the New Testament, he said, listen, the person who walks in love fulfills the law. In other words, they bring it to its ultimate intention, to walk in love, to treat other people in a certain way, to express God's value for other people. It doesn't make you righteous. It is just the way that we express love to other people. We don't lie to them. We don't steal from them. We don't, we don't uh, uh, you know, break into their house. We don't, we don't murder them. We don't commit crimes against them. And uh, uh, anybody that does, anybody, anybody that violates the law, any lawbreaker, 
One of the things you know about them, you may not know why they're doing it, but here's what you do know. They're not walking in love, and they may say they are, but they are not walking in love. Now, <clears throat> so, so the law foretold of a righteousness that was totally independent of the law. And what's interesting, by the way, is even before the law was ever put, came into being, we understood the righteousness that comes by faith through Abraham, the father of faith righteousness. Abraham showed us what it was like to obey God, to fail, to get up, to make bad decisions, to, you know, to get up, to, to reconnect to God. He showed us what it was like to pursue the calling of God and the vision, even inside of his own human frailties, and never be rejected of God. But, you know, I, I'll just tell you this. If I first got saved, because of how I was taught, man, you would read these Old Testament prophecies about the wicked and all this kind of stuff, and you think, man, alive, God hates everybody. Well, you know, the real truth is most of the incredibly uh, harsh things that God has to say when he's addressing wickedness is usually pointed toward political leaders and religious leaders, people who oppress others, use others for their own gain, and, and really cause people to lose faith and confidence in God. And uh, because, you know, we look at all of the people that God used, and they all struggled. They all had life struggles. And God didn't give up on them. God did not reject them. God used them. You know, the, the righteous man falls seven times, the Bible says, but he gets up again. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus said, and remember, anything that Jesus would tell us to do or anything the Bible tells us to do is exactly what God would do. You know, Jesus says, look, if, if, somebody, if somebody sins against you, you know, and, and, and they seek forgiveness they seek freedom from this they seek reconciliation in the relationship even if they do it seven times 70 times a day you forgive well he would not tell us to do that if he didn't do that himself that would make him a hypocrite so from from the very beginning we have always known that the way you relate to god is by faith but what does that mean it means that you believe that God is who he says he is. You believe in God's eternal plan. And because you trust him, you are always seeking to follow him. You're always seeking to obey him. Not to earn something because you know he's wiser than you are. You know that he is the source of life. You know that he, he will bring you to the, the ultimate fulfillment of life. Jesus said, come, you might have life and have it to the fullness. So anyhow, so he says, he says, so the law, even this, this righteousness apart from the law is witness in the law. Verse 22 says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Now, let me just say that Jesus died for everybody. But right now, there is what I call a fake grace movement. And some of them teach ultimate reconciliation. Some of them, some of them take grace and turn it into, they redefine it as uh, as mercy, they redefine it as forgiveness, they redefine it as all kinds of things. And basically in, they, in that movement, you know, the concept is uh, since God's a good God, you know, uh, everybody's saved because Jesus already died for everybody. Well, let me tell you, that scripture, along with hundreds of other scriptures, tell us that there's a righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Even though this has been done, even though this has been provided for, 
we don't participate in anything that we do not believe in, that we, and specifically that we believe in through what the Lord Jesus Christ has taught us. So, so he goes on to say, For there's no difference, for all of sin falls short of the glory of God. And by the way, one of the things that this passage right there points out is that sin is falling short of the glory of God. It's not just falling short. Sin is more about what we are missing out on, which minimizes who we are, minimizes our quality of life, minimizes how we see God, than it is the fact that we did something wrong. And, and so, you know, sin starts with belief. Sin in your heart is sin. And the only, the only thing is you just haven't expressed it yet. And God's desire is that you believe the truth about who he is, believe what he has given us in Jesus, and, and participate in it. And it says, uh, uh, he said, being free, uh, being justified, and that's a process of, being, uh, of righteousness, practical righteousness, freely by his grace, through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom he has set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Now, I'm just going to tell you what, there, there, I am telling you there is more there than, <laughs> than I can explain in, in this message. And, and I think I've mentioned this, I am reteaching the book of Romans for our Impact International School of Ministry incredible verse-by-verse study that might be something you want to look at if you really want to get serious about understanding what, what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, the blood of the sacrifice was taken into the Holy of Holies, inside the, the, the tabernacle. And inside this tabernacle, by the way, and this tabernacle was a type and a shadow and a figure of an actual tabernacle that that exists where God is and that tabernacle will will come to earth and so so when when a priest would go into this tabernacle he had to first cleanse himself and so and so there would be a sacrifice made and uh, a man we'll talk about this in my in my in my series on come by the blood but but you know one of the things that they would do is you know they would go in and they would sac they would first cleanse the altar and the altar would be cleansed by putting blood on the horns of the altar and and then blood would be sprinkled and then blood would be poured out at the at the base of the altar and then and then a a a, a burn offering would be given to God, which would which would be a, a sweet savor. You know, when you think about that word savor, again, you think about the word meditate, because to savor something, you know, some people eat and they just gulp down their food. Some people savor their food as they eat it. In other words, they're chewing it. They're enjoying the taste. They're reflecting on every every bit of the value that, you know, that, that this brings to them. And so, and so, the priest then would have the blood applied to him, and I'm not going to go into all the details because we don't have time in this in this broadcast. But basically, he would be sanctified, set apart by the blood. Now, if he went into the holy of holies and he had not been cleansed by the blood, he would die. Now, people say, "Oh, so so say I thought God was a good God. Why would He kill him?" You know, I don't know that it's so much about God killing him as much as it's about the fact 
that no man can stand in pure holiness and, and, and w without being cleansed and survive. You, 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 just, you, you just can't do it. It's not a matter of God actively killing you. It's a matter of, that, that's like saying I'm going to walk into a fire, but I'm not going to have on a, I'm not going to have on a protective suit. It's, it's going to burn you up. Now, the fire didn't decide to burn you. The person that lit the fire didn't decide to burn you. Uh, uh, you got burned because you did not believe in what you needed to do to be able to enter into this. So the priest actually had to had to have faith in the blood. I, I mean, you know, when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, they'd have a rope tied onto him and a bell so that if they went in there and died, in other words, the bell was so that, that people outside could hear the bell, that he was still moving. But if that bell stopped ringing, that meant that priest had fallen over dead, which meant that really he had misappropriated the blood. And many times what that would get down to was not that there wasn't blood available, not that the sacrifice hadn't been made. It was the fact that he did not operate faith. God has always, always, always been a faith God. There is no other way uh, to approach God other than by faith. So if faith is active, if faith is something that we have to start out with knowledge, what do we know, what do we trust, and am I actively, in my heart, trusting that? Then that is where we come into this thing of actively, uh, 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 it, and this is really not the right terminology, but it's the best way in, in the English language to understand it. It's like we activate the blood of Jesus in our hearts, in our lives. And the Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. Therefore, when we stand before God, we're not condemned. Even though, even though we might have some faults, even though we might have some failures, even though we might have some situations that we, you know, where we know we haven't handled them properly, if we trust in the fact that Jesus died for us and on the cross, this, and this is where the blood comes to play, on the cross, he shed his blood. It should be our blood. It should be us who died. And you know, whenever the, uh, you know, whenever the people would bring a sacrifice, uh, you know, they would lay hands, particularly if it was for sin, they would lay hands on the animal to impart their sin to the animal. And then that animal would be slaughtered in their presence. And they would watch every bit of lifeblood drain out of that animal. And so because they were seeing this, they were, you know, they were thinking, they were really meditating, they were pondering, you know, this animal is dying because of my sin, not because of, not because it sinned, not because it did something wrong. It's dying because of me. Now, one of the reasons we don't really experience much of the love of God is because when we when we go before God and and, and you know we've been separated from Him, if you will, in our hearts and in our minds, we don't go back and actively look at the fact that at the propitiation, Jesus shed his blood and it should have been our blood. We don't look at that and say, this, this should have been me giving my life. This is where we activate faith in the blood by deliberately reminding ourselves, by deliberately reflecting on what the price that he paid and the blood that was shed and how that we have been sprinkled with that blood. Our hearts have been sprinkled. And that's why we can walk away from our past. This is why many people always carry guilt around. They don't approach God by the blood. Listen, 
We're almost out of time. Let me mention this. If you want to go deeper, deeper, deeper into the mysteries of the new covenant, then just check it out. Click below because I have got a great series. It's got about six or eight hours of teaching about this. It's going to teach you practical application that, that you can make happen right now and you can transform your life. So be sure and check that out. And don't forget about World Changer Weekend, man. I'd love to have you here. Go to go to our website, drjimrichards.com or impactministries.com. And um, if you want to come, you have to register because we have a limited amount of space. And it's first come, first serve. And I'm telling you, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have great worship. We're going to have great teaching. We're going to have great fellowship. We're going to have great food. We're going to have great everything. So, uh, so you know, if you can come, won't you hear? If not, check it out online because all of the teaching sessions will be online. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.